Quick throw left side. Has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Third down and eight at the Houston 12. Moose bunch right side. Allen takes the snap. On third down, he's got time, and he's sacked back at the 23-yard line by J.J. Watt, and the crowd erupts. Oh, yeah, that was from the Buffalo playoff game last year, the 2019 playoffs, when Watt sacked Allen that turned the game around. Field goal ensued. It was a 16-0 Bills lead, but that was a fuse lit by number 99, J.J. Watt, who is no longer a Houston Texan. Mutual parting of the ways today between Watt and the Houston. Unforgettable moments and off-field situations and endearing moments. Things that he did that we will never forget. Things that got publicity. So many that didn't. I know my buddy John Harris wrote about one today that finally does get some publicity. I think he has told the story maybe once or twice throughout Watt's tenure here in Houston, but it is over now. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you on Texans All Access as we will talk about number 99, J.J. Watt tonight, who is undoubtedly, look, we could say, is he one of the greatest Texans? Is he the greatest Texan? That's a debate for another day. I mean, there are so many great players, and of course, Watt, I think, stands alone, Johnny, with Andre Johnson as the two greatest Texans ever, but we don't have to debate that tonight. I mean, Watt has done stuff that's just unparalleled in the history of defensive players in this league, and we've got all sorts of stuff up on HoustonTexans.com, on the Texans app for everyone to enjoy, uh, to remember the career, and it's a sad day. We're all happy that J.J. gets to continue his career. We're sad that it's going to be somewhere else. These things happen in professional football. Great defensive players, great offensive players finishing their career somewhere else. Someday he'll be back. Someday he'll be in the ring of honor. Cal McNair, Hannah McNair, they will make sure of that. But right now, we talk about the career that was, the decade in Houston for number 99, J.J. Watt. Johnny, thanks so much for being on tonight. Very special night as uh, you and I have been on so many shows where we have to talk about the big news of the day sometimes it's bad news sometimes it's good news this is really it's not good news it's not unexpected news yeah i i know that we're in a transition era here with the houston texans everybody feels that everybody knows that uh and i think tonight just has to be all about jj watt a little bit on the organization but all about jj watt and celebrating what a terrific i mean beyond terrific what a spectacular career he had here in houston yeah, it, you know, it's amazing. I, I there's, there's so many things we can hit. The one thing I, w- I, w- I want to start with, and you alluded to it, Mark, but talking about the, the two greatest Texans, Andre Johnson and, and J.J. Watt, what those two men have done for our community is just, uncre- is just incredible. Because when you get drafted by a, an NFL team, I mean, a lot of times you've never been to that city. You yeah. have no designs on living there. You don't. Like, okay, I'm going where? I'm going to I'm going to Houston. I remember Dre talking about he didn't like he didn't like chopped and screwed music. He hated it. 
Yeah. And then he ends up in the land of it and then grew to love it. And he grew to love Houston and he embraced Houston. And, you know, he'd take the, the kids on the shopping spree, which was mm-hmm. always fun to see, you know, Dre with that long receipt that he had just given back to the kids and, and JJ and all the things that he did in the community. And the, the one I, I didn't write about today, but the one that I think most about, you know, Saturday night, September or uh, late August of 17, we're in New Orleans. And we're trying to finish this godforsaken preseason game against the Saints. And there are guys on the sidelines with, you know, texting back home like, hey, are you guys okay? Uh, you know, Jeff Kaplan at the time, you know, our team trainer calling his family and they're having to get, uh, you know, uh, taken out by boat from his house. I mean, it's a, it's a mess. I mean, we're all just – I've never seen anything like that night, Mark, because when I got back to the locker room, Everybody was outside on their phones. You don't normally see that after a game. Everybody's changing or whatever. I saw players, coaches, everybody on the phones. What are we doing? Where are we going? And we go to Dallas. And it's in Dallas where I don't think any of us slept that night. I think we got to Dallas. We had you and I and and maybe a few others, DP Drew. I think we had a meeting like 2.30 or 3 in the morning like, hey, let's get some sleep. We'll reconvene at like 7 or 8 in the morning. And by that point, J.J. had put out his tweet about, hey – Let's see what we can do for the city of Houston. Here's my goal. Here's how you can give money. Please do. Um, let, let's do this for our, our city of Houston. I, I remember him saying our city of Houston, and that meant a lot. And watching that thing grow was unbelievable. And it was just him sitting in that hotel room like we all were in Dallas going, what do we do? We can't even, we can't even get home. And J.J. was like, you know what? I'm doing something for my city. For our city. I don't think anybody will ever, no matter how you felt about J.J. the player, um, and if you had issues with J.J. the player, then what the heck is wrong with you? Well, come on. But I don't think anybody is, would have an issue with, you know, even if you didn't like him, like, all right, I didn't really like him to feel, but, man, he raised $38 million for this city just by saying, please help, and and did it, and became the Walter Payton Man of the Year uh as a result, but it was, there were so many other things that he did. Um, you go to HoustonTexas.com, you go to my Twitter feed, at Jay Harris Football, and you can see the story uh, that I wrote. I, I don't know, Mark, if I, I know I told you that story. I don't know if I ever, I, I kind of made a point that when that happened, that I wouldn't, I didn't want to say that story while J.J. was still you there. Know, we talk so much, I don't know what's on the air and what's I, not the air. I know, I know. That's but if you want to go, here. if you want to go check it out, it's a, it's a personal story I about me. I want you to me. tell it later in the show. Okay. All right. I'll. I'll. <laughs> I will try to, but it will not be easy to get through. No, it will I know. not be easy to get through because I cannot. I cannot have uh, us both get emotional because I read it today <laughs> I and I got emotional. I can't yeah. have us both get emotional in segment one of Texans All Access. No, I mean, we got a long way to go here tonight, and we got a lot to talk about. But that that's a phenomenal story, and yeah, I'm sorry. I thought maybe you told it on the air once, yeah. but that is uh, that's really a tremendous story on HoustonTexans.com. I wrote something called Mega Memories, and I just feel like, Johnny, uh, the thing about what, when people from out of town have me on their shows, Mm -hmm. and and I know that you do a lot of these, I do a lot of these, uh, and they want to know about J.J. Watt, and they see the great plays, they see everything he's done here on the field. Uh, I just go right to his first offseason before he ever played it down, and the Berry Kids. To me, the Berry Kids tell you all you need to know about J.J. Watt because it's the lockout year. It's 2011. There's no contact between player and team, and these are rookies. Watt's part of that rookie class, and he could 
be here for the draft and pick up the playbook from Wade Phillips at the time and Gary Kubiak, but that's it. Then you're on your own, buddy. Go work out. Find a way to get it done before we see you in camp, hopefully, because there's a lockout and it didn't get settled until a few days before camp. Anyway, he hears about this horrible accident with the Barry kids, and if you don't know, that's two brothers, Peter and Aaron, who were nine and eight years old at the time. They sustained serious spinal cord injuries in a car accident that left their parents dead. Their younger sister was mostly unharmed, but Watt heard about this and took it upon himself. He can't go to the stadium and get Texans gear. He bought some at Academy Sports and Outdoors, goes to the hospital, and... He spends time with the kids and gives them Texans gear. That's just unbelievable. Takes it upon himself. Now, that's just one of the many, many things he did without publicity. Look, he did a lot of stuff that did get publicity, and it was all great stuff off the field. This didn't until later, until after the fact, when people found out about it and what an incredible story it is. And I think they're lifelong friends. And, by the way, uh, the kids have an incredible, uh, you know, this thing's in progress. I mean, I think one of the kids got an offer at Alabama and all this other stuff. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that another time. The point is that that's going to tell you everything you need to know about J.J. Watt as a person. And then he gets to camp, Johnny. And I'll never forget, it's Cal McNair who tells me, you know, we're, we're sort of watching practice. You know how it is. You're standing, standing yeah. on the sideline. And I mentioned Watt, and he said, nobody can block him. And yeah. Watt's knocking every pass down. And this is his rookie <laughs> camp. And you can clearly see something special is brewing. But during the regular season, it's, it's not, no, not a but. It's just, and during the regular season, it's not a spectacular rookie campaign, but it's a really yeah. solid one until you get to the playoffs where he explodes with the pick six against Cincinnati in the playoffs. And the rest is history. That just put him on the national stage, superstardom. It was over at that point. But I'm going to take some credit here. You know how? You ready? Because, oh, like, I am not one to pass up, you know, giving myself credit. And <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> okay. I did say this. I did say this heading into the postseason. I said, I think that guy can be the biggest star on the team. I really think so. I think there's something there. And, boy, was I right. And I get zero credit except when I give myself credit, which is really (laughs) lame. It's horrible. And I apologize deeply for that. But I just recalled that. Well, here's the thing. One of either your superpowers or J.J.'s superpowers was being able essentially to put out the – the Watt signal. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite stories as it pertains to JJ happened in 2014. We're playing now 2014. That's my first year on the sidelines. Obviously I had seen and been in Houston for his first three years. And so I watched it up close and I, in, in my dad is from Wisconsin, loves Badgers, loves everything about the Badgers and coming up on that draft. He's like, well, yeah, Texas should draft JJ Watt. And I'm like, dad, where are they going to play him? I mean, they've got Mario. They've got the, you know, like, where are they going to play J.J.? It doesn't, I don't know if it fits, but I love him, but I don't know where it's going to fit. And so my dad had been telling me about J.J., and, and I'm like, Dad, I've watched J.J. a million times. I love him. I just don't know where they're going to play him. Well, they figured it out. But I get on the sidelines in 2014, and that obviously is the year in which he, I think he was second for the MVP, which he should have gotten. But all the things he was doing in that year, it was just incredible. But it was to a point where you – Mark Vandermeer, the voice of Texans, could ask for a play mm-hmm. by, like, by name. We're down 31, 33-21 to the Colts on Thursday night. We're getting kicked in the teeth early. They, I think they jumped out 20. It was Texans-Chiefs. They jumped out 24 nothing, And I'm like, this sucks. 
I'm like Colts, my first Colts, my first Colts game, and it's 24 to nothing, and Luck is carving us up. Ty's going off, and then all of a sudden we wake up, and now we start making plays, and we cut it to I think it was 27 14 and a half, and then they get it to 33 21. But we get stopped. I forgot how we didn't, we didn't get any end zone. We had an opportunity. We didn't get any end zone. They get the ball back. And it's third down. And I remember you distinctly saying, come on, JJ, it's time to make a play. And on that, I, I swear to you, it's time to make a play. And all of a sudden, the ball comes out. He gets up off the ground, picks it up, and runs it in. And the place is going apoplectic. It's the second loudest that I have heard it when he picked it up and ran with that football the other way to make it 33-28. And you called it. But that's how good he was in 2014. You could almost call your shot. And he was going to make a play. And you didn't know exactly what it was going to be. But you just knew he was going to do something that was incredible. And I think he had 50-plus quarterback hits in that 2014 season. Okay. It was outstanding. We, we've got that highlight. I don't know if this, uh, and this, this came from our archives, I don't know if it has. I believe I said it's what time, right? Yeah, right you said something this. that basically said it's time for him to make a play. All right, so let's hear it. Luck, shotgun, one back Bradshaw. Luck drops the snap, and there's a chase for the ball. And guess who's got it? J.J. to his left, 35-30, 25-20, 15-10-5. Touchdown! you got to be kidding me. J.J. Watt scores. And this place is going crazy. And I, I mean, think you said that. You said... That are you kidding me? Because you, I think you remember just saying prior to that, you <laughs> yeah. got to make a play, you know, something to that extent. I remember that distinctly. So I might go for the full broadcast and, and find it. But I know you like put out the watch signal and he answered, and it was uh, it was unbelievable because he did that all. I mean, throughout his career, but that year, 2014 in particular. I mean, what he did to the Jacksonville Jaguars tackles in that last game. I, I mean. Oh, I mean, goodness. I mean, he was uh, to get to 20 sacks, and he throws a spin move for his, like, 20 sacks. Like, he never used a spin move, and he just decided to do it and got his 20th sack or 20th and a half. Uh, it, it, was, it was incredible to watch from, from down below to see in a land of the best athletes in the world, and this guy's just dominating them all. It was incredible. Yeah, I think that. That scoop and score against the Colts was ridiculous because he was scoring touchdowns that year. That was the yeah. year of the Watt touchdown, 2014. Yeah. And, yeah, he had the pick six in the playoffs, 2011 playoffs, and, you know, he just had one this year on Thanksgiving. But he had that touchdown catch to start things off week two against Oakland on the road, yeah. and, and that mm-hmm. was unforgettable off the arm of Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then against Buffalo – it was really his first regular season pick six. So this was before the Colts game. Let's hear that one. Manuel puts the leg down, gets the snap, quick throw, and picked off Watt to his left 30, 35, 40, the 50. Watt's going to go all the way. The 30, the 20, the 10, 5, rock and roll. J.J. Watt, pick six. What else can he do? 82 yards. J.J. Watt. 
I so mean, it was it was incredible. <laughs> you want to hear my such moments? <laughs> I mean, okay. So I have a, I have a great story for that. So mm-hmm. my my wife says to me during the year. I think I may have told this one before. My wife says to me during the year, "When are you going to get me tickets to, to go to a game?" And I I was not a full time employee at the time, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, let, let me ask Mark." And so I asked you. I said, "Hey, Paige wants to go to the game," and I was like, "I, I didn't know she wanted to go." She hadn't been to an NFL game with me ever. I think maybe one in Jacksonville like 15 years ago or 15 years prior to that. And she wanted to go. And so my wife had gone to all my high school games you know, that I coached. And there's a major difference with halftime. And that is halftime at a high school game is like 25 minutes. NFL game, we all know, it's 12 minutes. It's in, you go yeah. to the bathroom, you come back, boom. I mean, that was my, my routine. So – I come back after the game, and obviously J.J. has that play. This is her first Texans game she's ever seen. And I'm like, man, that was an awesome game, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, how was it when J.J. had the touchdown? And she's kind of like, yeah, it was nice. And I was like, you didn't see it, did you? She pauses, oh and she goes, halftime was over so quickly. Oh. <laughs> she, they were oh. standing in line. They were standing in line to get some food and a drink, and she missed it. All the crowd going crazy, and she missed it. And then, you know, they tried to run back to kind of see the aftermath. And she said, oh, my God, it was so loud in there. And I just I – make, I, I make fun of her because of that. But uh, she – I mean, she just – like, my daughter – We have the daughter, in the concourse. I, mean, I know. That's what they're I know. for. I know. And that's yeah. – but, you know, it was her first – it was her first game there. She, I know. She didn't really realize all that. She went to many after the fact. But – um, she said that was one of the more fun afternoons she's had because JJ in that game, you know, I wrote about this, Mark, Brian Baldinger did a Baldy's breakdown of that game. Mm-hmm. We all remember the interception. He had 10 quarterback hits on EJ Manuel. Mm. He had 10 quarterback hits. Oh, it was incredible. And, and Baldy kind of had each one of them broken down. It was unreal to watch how he did it. With, like, no smoke and mirrors, beat double teams, beat guys one-on-one. I mean, it was incredible to watch how he was able to get to Manuel ten times in that game. He didn't have a sack in that game, if I remember correctly. But he had ten quarterback hits, and then he had that interception for a touchdown, which really was the difference in the game. You know, right now, he's not the player he was, but he's still a hell of a player. I mean, he still put up some – I know the sacks weren't voluminous this year, but quarterback hits – he had that three passes defensed game. We're going to get into some of the numbers a little bit later in the show and, and do it in a way that's friendly for radio because if I start spouting off numbers, people are going to drive into bridge abutments. But we mentioned some of the big moments, some of the touchdowns. And, look, I know touchdowns tend to overshadow a lot of other things because he had so many sacks that would stop a drive. Gary Kubiak said once he's kind of like a quarterback in that when you need a big play, he'll make it. And that speaks to it's what time. Well, the real what time debut was in the playoffs against the Bengals, and there were the Texans and Cincinnati in a game that could go either way. It was 10-10 to 10 shortly before the half. You had two rookie quarterbacks going at it, T.J. Yates and Andy Dalton from Katy. Dalton and the Bengals trying to get something going on offense, and this happened. Dalton gets the snap, throws it. It's intercepted. Watt takes it across the 15, 10, 5. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Texans. Pick six. Abracadabra. Just like that, the Texans take the lead. And Reliant Stadium has erupted. 
I mean, that, uh, you know, that was, <laughs> that's unforgettable stuff right oh, there. I mean, 2011, MVP- that was the perfect day, Johnny. Yeah. The perfect day at NRG mm-hmm. Stadium, Reliant Stadium then. It was perfect. You had Watt with the pick six. You had Andre Johnson catching a mm-hmm. touchdown pass in the postseason in his debut. You had Arian Foster with a really great touchdown run. The defense was dominant. It was a tremendous debut. What an afternoon. Well, what was it, 3.30 start, afternoon, evening, and Watt just burst onto the national scene that way. I know, look, he was a well-known guy, but that just put him in another echelon. And the following year, remember the debut or the premier game of 2012 when they hosted the Miami Dolphins? And it was Ryan Tannehill making his debut. And Watt knocked down 62 passes that day. That's what it felt (laughs) like. I mean, (laughs) Tannehill could not get the ball past the line of scrimmage because of the arms of J.J. Watt. It was one of those outstanding afternoons for him. Do you... I'll, I'll ask you this because I did, and the way the the finale of this year ended, I, it was just such a gut punch to lose those jokers mm-hmm. the way that we did. But when they were walking off the field, did you in your heart of hearts feel like that's the last time I've seen him play here yes. as a Texan? Did you yes. feel that way? I did because I knew the contract situation. And, yeah. you know, I, I've been hearing a lot of talk in recent weeks about, well, could you trade J.J. Watt? You can't really trade J.J. Watt, okay? Yeah. You can't trade – never mind Watt. You can't trade a player with a big contract number that's not guaranteed, right? Right. And they know the situation here, right? They look, A team that's going to give up something for him wants to sign him to an extension at a renegotiated rate – and you can't get this. So that, that, in effect, gives them a no-trade clause, right? That allows J.J. to determine where he's going to go. And it's a lot easier to go somewhere when the team doesn't have to give up a draft choice or something like that. So it's a natural situation in pro football. Like, even the the critics of the Houston Texans today are saying, well, this is something that is done in pro football. It is just done in this sport the way Caps are structured, contracts are structured, uh, where J.J. is at in his career. It's not like he's entering year five here. And speaking of that, I remember, boy, somewhere, I don't know if we can get it out in time for this weekend. We have an episode of our show that ran two years called Texans Late Night. (laughs) It was on Saturday (laughs) nights on ABC 13, and we had Watt on, and we played, and we'd always play a game with the guest. And yeah. the game we played with Watt was called Sackagories, and it was, you know, Scategories, but it was Sackagories, and it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And I, I remember that. And it was year five for him, and I said to him at the time, I said, all right, you're not an old player, but you're not that young anymore. You're, you know, halfway to a decade, so how do you feel? Do you start to think about those things? And he said, yes, I absolutely do think about those things. Uh, that's a big reason why he took such great care of his body and still yep. does, obviously. And – you know, we'd love to see him in the Ring of Honor soon, but I don't know how long it's going to go. I, You know, he can play for a long time here. Who knows? You know, a visit with Tom Brady and what do you eat? Now, yeah. J.J. already takes tremendous care of himself, but plays a very different position, of course, with tons of contact. I don't know how much longer it's going to go. But, Johnny, we could weigh in on stuff like that, a few more of the moments, and some of the mind-boggling numbers around Watt's tenure in Houston, a 10-year career with the Houston Texans. He is no longer a Texan. It's Texans Radio. Touchdown! Texans Radio continues in a moment. December's Houston Texan Star of Courage Award, presented by Apache, will be presented to Houston police officer Muhammad Sheikh. 
Officer Sheik has been an officer for seven years and serves as a new officer trainer, paving the way for new officers to be ready to serve and protect the people of Houston. He has earned several commendations for extraordinary performance and for going above and beyond to serve the citizens of Houston. The Houston Texans and Apache would like to congratulate him for being our December Star of Courage Award winner. Welcome to Louisiana's largest casino resort. Come to Cachata Casino Resort and play the largest gaming floor in the Lake Charles area with thousands of the newest, most exciting slots, over 65 table games, live poker and off-track betting, plus beautiful hotels, award-winning cuisine, and the number one rated golf course in Louisiana. Experience good old Louisiana hospitality Cachata style at Cachata Casino Resort, Louisiana's best bet. You're listening to Texans All Access. For the latest stories and videos on your Houston Texans, check out HoustonTexans.com. First down, Detroit from the Lions' 25-yard line. As Marvin Jones goes in motion to the left. Stafford back to throw. And he dumps it off. It's picked off by J.J. across the 15-10-5. Rock and roll. What? Pick six. Wow. The difference in crowd noise <laughs> between some of those other highlights in that one because this is the pandemic Thanksgiving yeah. game in Detroit with no fans and the Texans bench cheering loudly. Uh, of yep. course, it's also the road team doing something, so you're not going to get fake crowd noise reaction to that, but that's Watt on Thanksgiving. And, Johnny, at the time, you know, I felt like blast from the past. I wanted to almost, and I think I almost did, call it almost the exact same way as I called the one in 2011 because mm-hmm. I thought – you know, are we ever going to see this again? Yeah. Uh, you know, I've been waiting for it because how many times in recent years did he have his hands on the ball oh, like, yeah. with a chance, you know, not oh. like a drop. This is incredibly difficult to catch a ball that speed, that up close. And he does all that work with the jugs machine to have those opportunities. But there have been many times where almost, and that time he does it against Stafford and the Lions. And it was a great day. That was Maybe the best win, the most fun victory of a yep. four-victory season for the Houston Texans. Yeah, that was that was a fun one um, to to be up there on Thanksgiving Day, and I I just remember you know that obviously was one of the the weird parts of 2020, just especially no crowd and there was mm-hmm. no, there's no crowd in there, which made, makes it much easier for me because I can kind of move around and do things, mm-hmm. and and when he picks that thing off because that that game did not start i mean they come down and they the lions scored yeah we get stopped i'm like man are we gonna show up and play today and then he makes that play and the one thing that will always that that i'll never forget about that play mark was it took forever to get everybody off the field from celebrating with him it was like Mm -hmm. the entire sideline poured out to go celebrate with him. And, I mean, offensive players do. I remember seeing Will Fuller and Deshaun uh, going and running up to him and congratulating him. And I just – it was it was cool to be part of that moment, his first touchdown he had scored since 2014. It was really that – was, that was really a neat afternoon, of course. I don't know how it continues if he doesn't make that play. It was just, you know, like in 2011 in the playoff game, it got – everything going because that was a slow starting playoff game it was like all right are we gonna kind of be in this thing or not he makes that play and from that point on it was just complete domination and it was the same way against Detroit that day he makes that play and then it was complete domination from there on out 
All right, so I don't want to bog you down with numbers, which means I'm about to bog you down with numbers. Which okay? is okay. Not, yeah. not too many. Not too yeah. many. But there are a couple of stats that he absolutely owns, almost literally, because since tackles for loss became an official stat, he has the most in NFL history. Now, there are other guys, they went back and looked. It's kind of like sacks before the sack was an official stat. They're able to tally that up if they had the proper uh, play-by-play and proper game data. But uh, with TFL, certainly the most since 2011, since he came into the league, and the most since it became an, an official stat. And the same thing with quarterback hits. Since quarterback hits became a stat, he's got 281, the Oof. most since they became a stat. Now, 31st on the all-time sack list, and you might think, well, all right, I thought it would be higher. I don't know how people react to that. Look, he's only played a decade. I say only because you're going up against Reggie White and Bruce Smith, the guys yes. who played longer. Uh, so, you know, it's a different situation. But here, check this out. Sacks per game. I think this is a pretty good way to measure this stuff. Yes. Reggie White is first at .85 sacks per games played. And you just average that out. Watt, .79. He's second in NFL history in sacks per game. That's strong because it takes the injury games out of it. Mm-hmm. And you see that, wow, the, the efficiency, the production is at a ridiculous clip. And, hey, second is nothing to sneeze at at all. Behind Reggie White, maybe, you know, is he the greatest defensive player to ever live along with Lawrence Taylor? I mean, what? let's put it this way, Johnny. At his peak... And it lasted a while, but at his peak, where is he's in the top five somewhere, at least the top ten, right? All-time great defensive players? No doubt. No doubt. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's any question. I've seen some debate today from people saying there's no way J.J. was at the peak that, that Aaron Donald was. And it's like, <laughs> I'll take 2012, 13, 14, 15, and put it up against anybody, anywhere, anytime. Those four years, he was absolutely incredible. Uh, he was in, he was unbelievable. And you know, you mentioned you mentioned the numbers. I said we were coming back from somewhere. I can't. I may have been Cleveland in fourteen, and you were kind of over my right shoulder, and I was looking at the game book as I was writing a little bit. And I turned to you and I said, "Look at this," and it's the defensive stat book, and there are a million different columns for. Um, for a pl- for a defensive player, mm-hmm. solo tackles, assists, total tackles, sacks, yards. I mean, there's like 15, 20. He had a number in nearly every category as you went through. There was a number there. There wasn't a zero. There were a bunch of numbers there. F- forced fumble, fumble recovery, uh, sack, the yards lost on the sack, the TFLs. It was like, man, the only thing he didn't have was interception. I was like, I've never seen anybody do that to put a number in every single one of those columns. You just you just don't see it. And it, essentially, being that productive, Aaron Donald, I do I don't ever want to take away from what that guy's doing. Trust me, he's been unbelievable. And the one thing that Donald has avoided that unfortunately JJ was not was the injuries because in sixteen and seventeen uh, and then half of nineteen it took away. You know, a good two years uh, full of games that we didn't get a chance to see him, and the numbers would have been even more so. But you're right. You have to look at it on average, um, you know, on an average basis in some sense. But it's phenomenal what he did. And here's the thing, Mark. You talked about the tackles for a loss. 
I can probably say this now, and I, I may I may have said I know I've said it before. Uh, I joined the Texans. JJ got a lot of those tackles for a loss doing something that was absolutely in a thousand percent a no no. Like, Which is he would go the wrong way on purpose. So if there was a run, there were if there was a run away from him, typically you're supposed to kind of slide down the line and fight over the block. JJ would swim the opposite way. And then fly down the line and go make a tackle for a loss. And it was like, that is so technically wrong. Oh, my God, I'm going to lose it. But he was so quick. He was so explosively quick. And he would catch an offensive lineman leaning, and he would slap and swim or you know club and swim mm-hmm. and go right down the line and make a tackle for a loss. And it was like, that is so fundamentally wrong, and yet he's so quick and so explosive. He can do that and get away with it. And yeah. not only that, he and Mark, he was even doing it this year in his 10th year after all the injuries, still doing it and still making tackles for a loss doing it. I think what you said about the injuries is notable. I said some guys who played longer, and you might look at seasons and they might be one or two less. Yeah. But the games missed by Watt are certainly a big factor when you look at some of the statistics. I'm just talking numbers here, not efficiency yeah. while you play. And I think that's a factor for him. He's played 10 years, but it's not really 10 years because of all the games missed. Johnny, passes defensed. Oh, God. This might be the most incredible one of all. He's fourth all-time in franchise history. And you might think, well, no. This is a defensive lineman with passes defensed. All right? He's... <laughs> Got the most passes defensed by a defensive lineman since he entered the league. So in the last 10 years, he's got the most. And the sixth most by a defensive lineman in the history of the league. In the history of the league. You know, when you are the kind of player that has all these numbers and you're, you know, top five, top ten or whatever in the history of the NFL, you're doing a lot of things right. And I remember when the debate was when Watt got hurt in 2016. And it was so sad. It was week three, right? Uh, he got yes. hurt, missed After the rest of the season. Yep. Mm-hmm. Interestingly enough, the Texans finished number one in defense that year because enough other guys were really healthy, like Clowney and Merciless, and they had a really great Reader. year yep. uh, on that side of the football and, you know, were giving the Patriots fits, but they couldn't score. Anyway, when he got hurt that year, a lot of people started to wonder, is he ever going to come back? Yep. You know, because he had the injury at the end of 2015 in the playoff game, and people were starting to sort of worry about that. And the debate then was, would he be in the Hall of Fame now if he never played again? And I thought he put up three Defensive Player of the Year award seasons. I think that that alone puts him in. If the career was cut short then, it would have been a Gale Sayers kind of situation yeah, or yeah. a Terrell Davis, like the kind yeah. of guy who is just so awesome, but it's a limited time compared to many other Hall of Famers, but it was so dominant that you have to let him in. That was in 2016. I mean, he's a, obviously a lock to get in now, and he's still going to keep playing. And that's my question to you now, my friend. How much longer can this go on? And it's anybody's guess because a lot of it has to do with luck, but you know he takes great care of his body. You know he wants to play longer. So what are you thinking? Well, man, it's interesting. You know, one of the things that I wrote about in my article today was a game that he played down in Jacksonville. If you remember, 2015, we were 1-4, and we went down to Jacksonville. And we got a notice as we're sitting on a plane – that J.J. was sick and now questionable for the game. And we're like, oh, my God. Then we saw him get on the plane, and we're like, oh, boy, he does not look good. And I thought, good grief. Well, he he stayed in his hotel room the whole time. I don't know what he ate. I mean, he was just 
god-awfully bad shape. He played 79 of 81 plays that day. 79 of 81 plays on a 75-degree, sunny, hot, humid day in Jacksonville and then puked at my feet at the end of the game. My point in bringing all that up is he can't do that anymore. That's not something that he's going to be able to do going forward. So wherever he goes, be a Packers dude, wherever he goes, it's not going to be that kind of situation. He's going to have to play 60 to 65% of the plays uh, at least through the first eight to nine weeks of the year. And then, you know, when you get in a, you know, you get in the playoff race, whatever team he goes to, they get in the playoff race. Okay. Might need to use him a little bit more. Okay. That's cool. But he's, I don't think because of the pounding that he's taken and you know, this Mark, you'd see him, you, we'd, we'd see him in the hallway in week 15, 16, 17. And Oh my God, it just, you know, getting from one place to the next was mm-hmm. because of the pounding he had taken. You know, DJ Reader was the same. I mean, they're just shuffling, trying to get from one spot to the next because of the pounding that they took. And JJ has seen double and triple teams for years. Yep. So I think it's got to be a situation where he can be a part of a crew that takes some of the heat off of him. He can bounce not bounce around is the wrong word to use, but he can move around the line of scrimmage like he did, um, you know, for us and play over the nose. He played over the nose a couple of plays against Indianapolis. He went outside. He played over the guard. I still go back to that Jets game in 2018 uh, when Rack put JJ inside so he could rush against the Jets guard, and then he whipped him repeatedly. And then Clowney's coming off the other end because now they got to help inside on what Clowney's coming on the other end, and you're like, man. That was fun to watch. And that was J.J. off of two years of injuries in 2018 and made the Pro Bowl. So, uh, you know, I think he's still – I've said this many times. He led us in every stinking category outside of overall tackles. So, he still has got something left. I just think he's better served playing a 65 to 75% play count. Mm -hmm. And then if you need to increase that as the year goes on, sure. Um, but he still can be a very valuable chess piece for a defense that's got some different things. So I'm curious to see where he ends up at this point, and I hope we don't have to look at him in 2021 uh, in our building. But, uh, yeah, he's got something left, no doubt. Okay, next up, where he's not allowed to go, all right? Now, I have submitted this, but I don't don't know if they're going to listen to me, okay? (laughs) I have decided. I I tried to get to Cal, but not in time. I was going to say, listen. I guess you have to do this. But here are the teams where he's not allowed to go, according to me, the voice of the Texans. And, you know, this just proves how little weight I have. But we'll have that. Johnny Story, not a dry in the house. Johnny Story, and we'll close it out. It's Texans Radio. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. It's Mattress Firm's President's Day Sale. Right now, get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for the price of a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 on Sealy. Or save up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress sets. And you can save 50% on select Sealy Queen mattresses. Now just $299.99. Shop Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and more with our sleep experts. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale.
Teachers and parents, are you looking for an educational resource to keep your students engaged? The Houston Texans Toro and ConocoPhillips have partnered together to provide Toro's Math Drills. Toro's Math Drills is a free video series that will challenge your students to math topics like fractions, multiplication, division, and place value, all while having fun. Sign up today for free at HoustonTexans.com on the Kids School Program page and run your students through Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Go Texans! Go Texans! Go Texans! Fear of missing out is a real thing. Don't have FOMO when it comes to your favorite team? Follow the Houston Texans on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Okay, Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, Texans Radio. Running out of time, so we got to get to this stuff. First of all, Johnny, teams that J.J. is not allowed to go to, first, got to go with the division. Yes. He's not going to go to the Jags. He's not going to go to play for Urban Meyer. That's not happening. But Tennessee, ouch, yeah. don't yeah. want to see that and certainly don't want to see him wearing the royal blue. I cannot oh. have that. Oh. And if you made me choose between those two, like it's got to be one of those two, Mark. It's got to be the Titans. I cannot have J.J. in a Colts <laughs> uniform. Forget about it. And I certainly don't want him in a Titan uniform either. In fact, how about the NFC? And if you're really going to go ring hunting, to me, if if you if he has his choice, and it's all about ring hunting, it's got to be Green Bay or Tampa, Tampa Bay, Bay. Yes. Tampa Bay, as they're calling it, with an outside shot at the Rams. I don't think they can accommodate him, but you know, look, I I think Johnny with Tampa Bay. Are they going to have one of those situations where veterans just want to go there for the minimum to try to chase a ring with Tom? Yeah. Like like the Lakers and the O's when yes. what Gary Payton and mm-hmm. Carl Malone and Steve Nash and everybody was just trying to park it there for a chance yeah. at a ring? Is it going to be like that in Tampa Bay? I would think so. I mean, Bruce Arians is seemingly a guy. I mean, if you were a player, did you – I mean, you watched the, the boat parade the other day or at least saw highlights of it. Those are joyful players. I, want I mean, they had a blast. Yep. I can imagine, you know, look, you, you put in a lot of work during NFL seasons. No no doubt about that. But you got a guy like Bruce Arians there. You got, you know, Byron Leftwich as an offensive coordinator. You got Todd Bowles as a defensive coordinator. I mean, a lot of good things going on in Tampa Bay right now. And to my point earlier, J.J. wouldn't have to play 50 to 60% of the – but six, 50 to 60% of the plays. Mm-hmm. It'd be a perfect situation for him. Yeah, I mean, there are players on that team that we forgot about that uh, were doing very well in the postseason and they won a championship. Johnny, what is the story? Now, you wrote a story today on HoustonTexans.com, and you talked about your son, Jack, and it was very special what happened with J.J. Yeah, exactly. My my son, Jack, I've said this many times, Jack has high-functioning autism, uh, and there are a lot of things that go with that. You know, kids that have autism, their number – you know, some are low functioning, but for kids with autism, there's always certain things that they struggle with. And for my son, some of them are neuro- neurological and, you know, writing for Jack is, is hard. It actually hurts him. Um, but one of the things was tying his shoes. And so we just had Jack wear Crocs because he could just slip them on his feet. But as he got older and bigger, he was having really bad back problems with the Crocs. And so we decided, oh, man, what are we going to do? We got to we got to try and find a pair of shoes for him and not really sure what we're going to do. And so I said, Jack, let's just go to Academy and, and see what we can find. And so we go to Academy and we go to the back corner where the shoes are. And I see this kind of this billboard. It's got JJ's face on it. I see the Reebok logo. And as I get closer, I see it's a shoe and I'm like, it's red, white, and blue. And I go, wait a second, that's a laceless shoe. 
I think Jack could wear that. And so I asked the, the academy person, I said, can, you know, can get this in Jack's size? Jack tries it on. It fits perfectly. And we're like, let's get them. And Jack looks at me and goes, Dad, can you believe it? JJ's shoe is the one that works for me. And I was like, man, I got to tell JJ this story. So it was during the off season, And so I wasn't able to tell JJ, but I was able to get it uh, to him through our, our PR. And so about a week later, I got a call to come down to the uh, to PR office. And I was told, this big box is sitting there and, um, and Amy Palsic at the time says, this is for Jack and my Jack. And I went, what really? And opened it up. And there, I think, I think there were eight pair of shoes in that same style, different colors and kind of, you know, um, kind of, uh, interesting like designs and stuff all in his size. You know, there were some warm ups, a t-shirt, whatever. And she looked at me, said, JJ was touched by your story and called Reebok and made this happen. And there was a note inside and it said, Jack, we hear you're big fans of our shoes and we're big fans of you. And I was, I was, I was just, I was dumbfounded. I was like, I was so joyful. I was so thankful. I I just couldn't believe it. I called Paige, my wife, and I just said, I said, you're not going to believe this. And she started crying. I bring it, the box home, and Jack is, like, incredulous. Like, he can't believe it. Like, that's for me. And Jack doesn't know anything about football. He knows nothing about football. Football is not his thing. He just, he, but J.J. became his favorite. I mean, he even, he like, does J.J. play quarterback? I was like, he didn't know anything. But J.J. was his favorite because he did that. And like I said earlier, writing for him is hard. It, it, it actually hurts him. But I was like, Jack, we've got to do, we got to get a thank you to JJ. He pulled the pen out of my hand because I was going to write it for him. He pulled it out of his hand and he wrote the whole thing for JJ. And I gave it to JJ while we're at OTAs. And you could just tell that JJ was like almost more thankful for a nice note from Jack than we were to receive it. And I was like, to me, you know, that was, uh, that was JJ in a nutshell, man. He was, he, and and I wasn't going to tell that story. I didn't want to, you know, put that stuff out there, you know. I wanted to wait until he was, you know, he was not playing in Houston anymore, retired, and I hope that was going to be one in the same time. Mm-hmm. But it was just, you know, something I felt that I, I wanted to put out there and just, you know, let him know, hey, look, we're going to remember the sacks and the TFLs because that was our job. I mean, that is our job. I mean, we, we talk about football all the time. But for the millions of people that were like Jack that he helped, you know, there's no there's no price tag on that value, and, and people will never forget it. And in the Harris household – J.J. Watt will be somebody that gave to us in such a grand way that we'll never forget him. Johnny, great story. In all of our households, we will never forget J.J., a great Houston Texan, always a Texan. And when he does retire, he will come back and he will go into the ring of honor. And you can better believe that Cal and Hannah McNair will make sure of that. Johnny, thanks so much tonight. And it's been Really, um, you know, bittersweet, I guess, is the word. I mean, it's J.J., he'll play on. Texans will play on. But J.J.'s career in Houston is over. And, you know, the sweet is the the memories, all that he contributed to this city on and off the field. So we will never forget that. And it's just uh, sad to see him go. These things happen in professional sports. Uh, we will never, ever forget the contribution one of the greatest athletes that this city has ever seen thank you jj watt thank you everyone for listening brandon porter for producing we'll be back monday at six 
Have a great weekend, everyone. Stay warm and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. When an unexpected injury or illness occurs, it's important to know where to go for quality care close to home. Houston Methodist Emergency Care Centers and Emergency Departments offer a full range of care 24-7, 365 days a year for patients of all ages. We are taking extra precautions to keep you safe. Isolating suspected coronavirus patients, screening all visitors, requiring masks, and enforcing social distancing. Visit HoustonMethodist.org slash ER to find a location near you. It's Mattress Firm's President's Day Sale. Right now, get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for the price of a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base when you spend $6.99 on Sealy. Or save up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic adjustable mattress sets. And you can save 50% on select Sealy Queen mattresses. Now just $299.99. Shop Tempur-Pedic, Stearns & Foster, and more with our sleep experts. Only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. Valid at participating locations only. For offer details, visit mattressfirm.com slash sale. Mattressfirm.com. 